G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to something that's really important and yet sometimes we don't give enough consideration to some of the issues around what happens to the believer when they come to Christ. Sometimes we talk about a transition from being a sinner to someone who is saved and that might be something we could consider to be a conversion. So what does the Bible teach about conversion? Some think it's just self-improvement. Well, let's get some insights today. Bill Muhlenberg's been thinking deeply about this and writing about it over this past week. Bill, welcome back to 2020. Thanks again, Neil. Bill, why do we get confused, do you think, about this? Uh, Biblical conversion, isn't there just one cookie cutter and this is what it all looks like? (laughs) Well, there's certainly, uh, I suppose in one sense, as many different Christians as there are. You might have as many different conversion stories, but still there are some common core factors here, some unifying themes that you would think everyone who claims to be a Christian could relate to or identify with. Uh, And as you say in your intro, uh, certainly uh, this idea of self-improvement or just being a nicer person or being less grumpy or whatever, that certainly is not biblical conversion, uh, and yet we have a lot of sloppy thinking there. Certainly the world would have it, but there would be some churches and Christians who would push the same kind of thing, a kind of moralism or a kind of, you know, well, I haven't killed anybody this week, I haven't stolen, I haven't uh, lied as far as I know, so I must be a pretty good person. Uh, All of that misses the mark when it comes to what Scripture says, certainly when it says about our condition as sinners. Living by a new set of rules might be one way that some think about conversion. Uh, Once I was a rebel, a radical, now I've come to Christ and I've got a new set of rules to live by and uh, that's supposed to make me better. Uh, But better isn't necessarily what God might say about salvation and uh, there might be two different paths that we could grow a conversation around here, but As you think about conversion, Bill, what ought we think when we take a biblical view? Yes, well, when we discuss about being better, I mean, sure, there is. Hopefully when you become a Christian, you do get better. And yeah, in a sense, you do have a new set of rules before you were led by your own rules, your own uh, set of right and wrong. And when you become a Christian, you start following God's law and his rules But the idea that if we simply change uh, kind of the rules or our behaviors without first acknowledging that we're actually lost sinners who actually can't uh, make such changes on our own, that's where it all has to begin. The realization that we are lost, we're without hope, uh, only God can save sinners 
So uh, as long as that's there, well, then, sure, we'll see change. We'll see things changing for the better. But it all has to begin with the bad news of the gospel before we get the good news. And uh, I've long been putting together lists of what the Bible says about us as sinners, what our condition is, what we're like. Uh, We could spend uh, the day just on this, but just consider a few of the many phrases uh, of what the Bible says about those who are sinners. They're spiritually sick, they're lost, they're enslaved, they're in darkness, they're under the power of Satan, they're God's enemies, they're slaves to sin, spiritually blind, dead in transgressions, on and on it goes. That's a pretty dour list. That's a pretty uh, bleak description of what we are. And if it is true that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, well, no amount of self-help is going to do it here. We need resurrection power, and that's where God comes in. Interesting, and listeners might have picked up where you said they're spiritually sick, rebellious children, lost, enslaved, Mm. and in darkness. We might even change that to say we're spiritually sick because a lot of Christians still battle with some of these sorts of spiritual sicknesses and this enslavement. Uh, They're on a journey but still living in a sense of darkness as an enemy of God even. Uh, So there is a sense in which God actually does something significant in a process of conversion And then we're on a journey uh, of living for him, uh, which takes us out of that. So how do you describe what happens when the person is drawn to and comes to Christ? Yeah, well, there's different theological terms we can throw in here. The kind of uh, initial one-off God-centered process of getting us right with God through Christ is what we call justification. Uh, That is something fully based on what Christ has done for us, taking our sin upon him, suffering our fate that we deserved. And when we simply come in faith and repentance to Christ, he uh, does a great exchange, takes our sin, gives us the righteousness of Christ. So, yeah, that is the initial one-off work uh, of justification, but as you rightly say, it's just the first step. The rest of the journey is then what we call sanctification. We're still dealing with sin within, the flesh, the old man, the old nature. Hopefully it's getting progressively better with the spirit now dwelling within and a new sense of priorities, a new spiritual awakening. Yeah, then we can start to deal with this, but that is a lifelong struggle. So when we read what scripture says about the conversion process, it really looks at both the initial justification and then the ongoing sanctification. So you still would get phrases like being moved from death to life or from darkness to light or from bondage to liberty, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. These are all descriptions of certainly the initial step in the conversion process, but is also part of the ongoing Christian life. So we're moved from death to life, uh, moved from darkness to light. Uh, We're moved from bondage to liberty. And those things, not something that we do in ourselves, but when we realize that this is what we have received, 
that changes the way we live because now we are empowered to live a different way. Is that a fair way of, of describing that? Yeah, and a good term you've got there, empowerment, because uh, it is. It's supernatural power, what we could not do on our own, what the flesh was not able to do. Uh, God comes along and does empower us, as I say, the Holy Spirit given to believers living within us, helping us to finally do what we could not do before. And it's interesting if you take just one famous chapter of Scripture, Romans 1, uh, Paul actually does speak about this term power, uh, the familiar Greek word dunamis. He uses it three times, and it's quite interesting, actually, when you look. I mean, two are pretty obvious heavyweights, uh, God's power. Uh, was involved in the creation of the world, and God's power was there in raising Jesus from the dead. But Paul uses the same word for a third thing that God does, and that's bringing salvation to everyone who believes. So if we think, wow, you need a lot of power and a lot of something to create a universe and to raise Jesus from the dead, well, you need a lot of power to take a dead sinner who's got no interest in God whatsoever and is totally fixated on self. It takes a lot of divine power to... uh, transform that person from a dead sinner into a living saint. Bill, you take a few moments in this one of your latest articles that we're talking about today to quote some of your favourite authors, authors like Mm. C.S. Lewis and Martin Lloyd-Jones and Paul Washer, who say very significant things about this transition. Yeah, well, there's plenty we could quote from, and, you know, you can always, we can't go wrong with Lewis, so I got a few short uh, one-liners from Lewis that are always worth repeating. For example, he said, fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He's a rebel who must lay down his arms. Uh, In another one, he said, conversion requires an alteration of the will, which does does not occur without the intervention of the supernatural. So Lewis certainly had it right where, uh, again, this is more than just picking yourself up by your own bootstraps. This is a radical supernatural change that only God can bring about. But yeah, plenty of others. Martin Lloyd-Jones talked about this as well, where he says that, uh, you know, we tend to think sometimes uh, one person's conversion is more remarkable than another's. But really, when you think about it, it takes the same grace of God to save the most respectable person in the world as the most lawless person. Uh, In either case, it takes the amazing grace of God to change a human life. So uh, plenty of quotes there, and yeah, a lot from uh, Paul Washer we can run with as well. Bill, there's an old saying that says, in this world there are saints and sinners. But before God, there are only sinners saved by grace. Uh, The way we see ourselves on the other side of conversion, no doubt, is important because if you think you're now in that self-improvement looking pretty good before God, uh, you might need to think twice about that because sometimes a little self-assessment might bring you back down to the fact that, yes, you are a sinner saved by grace. 
Yes, absolutely. And uh, that self-assessment has to begin with God's assessment. If we simply look at ourselves or look at others and compare, we think, oh, I'm not too bad. Again, I'm not an ex-murderer. I haven't cheated on my wife as such. And you think you're pretty decent. But when you look at God and his holiness and his purity and perfection, and you get a sense of your own sin and selfishness, then all of a sudden things change. You begin to realize, wait a minute, I've got a ways to go. And by the look of it, I'm not going to do it on my own. I need help. I need divine help. And that's exactly what the gospel message is all about. And Bill, if we are saying, well, I'm converted, I've become a Christian, I've given my life to serve Christ. I've given my heart to Jesus. Lots of ways we use that sort of terminology. Uh, But there is something important in that, that that is in itself a miraculous thing, that the demonstration of the power of God is in my conversion. And uh, that's part of our testimony, isn't it? Well, yes, again, it has to be. Uh, If we are spiritually dead, well, no amount of self-improvement is possible. It takes resurrection to get out of the condition of being dead. So again, as you say, everybody's a bit different. Uh, We all have different conversion stories, and even the Bible itself, you could contrast, say, Uh, The Gospels with the Book of Acts, uh, the disciples themselves seem to go through a bit of a process, learning more who Christ was and how sinful they were. Just think of the story of Peter and, you know, how often he blew it and got things wrong, but he went on to be this great uh, champion of the faith. So there we might talk about their conversion as being a bit of a process, but obviously somebody like Saul, when he becomes uh, a new man through this uh, Damascus Road experience, that was a a remarkable kind of uh, instant conversion. So probably your listeners can relate. Some had a similar dramatic instant conversion. Others, it may have been a bit of a process, took some time. Uh, So we don't want to put everybody in a box. We're all different. But again, there's this sense somehow along the line that once I was lost, now I am found. Once I was in darkness, now I see the light. And again, it all goes back to this is a work of God. This is something that God did for me. I couldn't do it myself. And if Christ is our Savior, our aspiration then is to be like him. And uh, Mm -hmm. there's another whole conversation for another day around identity and our identity in Christ. Uh, Bill, wonderful article. Let me point listeners to it. You can find it at BillMuhlenberg.com or you can simply Google Culture Watch One Word. This article we're talking about today is called Biblical Conversion is Not self-improvement. Bill Muhlenberg, thanks so much for your wonderful insights again today on 2020. Thanks again, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.